2: The Capitals return to practice this morning. New Washington Nationals pitcher Josiah Gray joins us after his first Caps game recently. And we chat with Shane Griffin, a Caps fan who lives over 10,000 miles away from Capital One Arena. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, January 4th. Welcome to Caps this morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. Presented by Clear, the faster way into Capital One Arena. The Caps back at practice this morning after a day off yesterday. We should have a better idea in a little while about the health of Nick Backstrom and T.J. Oshie. Still a couple of days from the team leaving for St. Louis and the game on Friday night. We'll have the latest from MedStar Capitals Iceplex for you tomorrow. On today's show, something to make you feel like springtime is a little closer. After our big snowstorm in town yesterday, Josiah Gray is one of the newest Washington Nationals, acquired from the Dodgers in the trade that sent Max Scherzer to California. He started 13 games for the Nats over the last two months of the season, but recently he continued a trend of Washington's boys of summer, coming to see the Capitals play at Capital One Arena. Ben chatted with him about the experience. Hi, this is Ryan
3: Zimmerman. You're listening to Caps Radio 24-7 and the Capitals Radio Network.
2: Gray with a fist pump as he departs the mound. He works out of his first big time jam. First and second, no outs. The Phillies do not
1: score. Three two pitch on the way. Breaking ball, swung out and missed. Struck him out. Gray strikes out the side.
0: All right. So you had an early birthday present about a week before Christmas, smack in the middle of your off season. You were back in Washington. And you recently took in your first Washington Capitals game. And did I see, was it your first, was this your first NHL game as well?
1: Yeah, so it was actually my first NHL game as well, first Capitals game, everything like that.
0: So you've got roots in New York State, and outside New York City. Did you have some hockey fandom or is the whole experience new for you?
1: Growing up, Probably, you know, in my elementary, middle school days, um, I would occasionally watch hockey with my dad, uh, the Rangers, but over time, you know, I just kind of drifted away from it. So I kind of know the general concepts of it, but I haven't watched a hockey game in who knows how long, so that was a great experience, you know, to just be able to be out there you know, for the first time uh, in person as well.
0: So you wind up going to Capital One Arena and I'm curious how that came about and what you did take out of the experience. A first timer there, saw you on the scoreboard. Looked like you were enjoying yourself, but tell us a little bit about the experience you had the other night.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I kind of just wanted to do something different for the weekend. So my girlfriend and I, you know, we just got in the car and made a trip down to D.C. Some of the PR people with the Nationals Pre-lockout, you know, helped us secure some tickets. And, you know, we just had a fun time. And, you know, it was a good time. Just got to enjoy a different sport with good seats and definitely going to be back, you know, for a game uh, sometime soon and, you know, be able to experience that with some of my teammates next time and, you know, just continue to support other sports in the area.
0: But it goes to a bigger picture that you just referenced in passing a moment ago, which is kind of the – it's very cool when when two teams – with championship expectations like the Capitals and the Nationals and they both won their titles, you know, a year apart, when they kind of root each other, support each other on and there seems to be a good synergy between the two teams. I know you're relatively new to the market, but I find it cool that you're already embracing the Capitals as one of those teams in your new market here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely important to part of the community, but also, you know, being a part of that winning culture and want to be Just ingrained in it, I guess you can say.
0: So you've been a Washington National for just a few months, but let me ask, you're going to have some fun here if you put on your your scouting hat for a moment. Which Nationals teammate do you think would make the best hockey player? Oh, man.
1: Um, I would have to say uh, Zim is probably pretty good, Eric Fetty, some of those guys. I'm sure they might have some experience, you know, actually playing hockey. (laughs) So those would probably be the, the hats, the names I throw in the hat.
0: Yeah, Zim has actually been to the team's practice facility. He—this he, is no joke, Josiah. He strapped on the goalie pads a few years ago. It was a little photo op, but he strapped on the goalie pads, took part in a practice, and uh, yeah, he's—he's a, he's a big hockey guy. Let me ask: If you played, what type of player would you be, hockey-wise? You sniper, a defenseman, you tough guy? Like, what, like, what, what mold of hockey player you see yourself as?
1: Uh, I just hope to score goals. <laughs> so, whatever mold that is, you know, just hope to score goals and and when. You games and be that kind of player you know i never really got to play hockey i never really touched ice or anything like that but i'm sure that's you know what every kid grows up uh, wanting to do or thinking they want to do
2: nice to hear a little bit of dave jagler and charlie slow is in that piece as well good luck to josiah gray as he begins his first full season with the nationals this spring now my conversation with shane griffin Shane is a high school teacher who lives in Melbourne, Australia, and he's in town for a few weeks here in D.C. watching his beloved Capitals. Since he was 15 years old, he's made a pilgrimage to Washington nearly every season, an effort that was stopped last year due to the pandemic. But Omicron is not stopping him. He's going to be in Minnesota on Saturday. He'll be at Capital One Arena Monday when Boston comes to town. He has dedicated his summer vacations, and yes, it's summer in Australia right now, to coming to the United States and watching the Capitals wherever they play. More than 10,000 miles from Capital One Arena to his hometown, Shane Griffin joins me right now on Caps This Morning. Shane, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thanks a lot, John, for having me. It's a pleasure.
2: Your story fascinates me. You have been a Caps fan since 1996. You go back to Landover. You're not from here by a long shot. You were in the United States. You were invited to go to a hockey game. And I guess the rest, as they say, is history. But tell me about your first night at going then to U.S. Airways Arena, also known in these parts as the Caps Center, and what it was like to go to your first NHL game.
3: Yeah, it was pretty amazing, John. Gretzky was playing for the Rangers, one of his last seasons in the league. And when I walked into that arena, the, the support for the Rangers was off the charts. It was uh, it felt like being an MSG, actually, for a Rangers home game. But uh, the family that I went with asked me if I'd like to go watch a hockey game, which which I did. And uh, that was the moment that I fell in love with the sport and fell in love with the Caps. Oli Kolzig was in goal and recorded a, a shutout, 2-0 victory to the Caps, From that day on, that was it. Capitals fan through and through. You were
2: 15 years old at the time. You have seen the ups and downs and certainly the highest of highs in 2018 and had plenty of scars to show for it for sure. But I'm amazed by the fact that you can follow. I mean, now it's easy, right? Because you've got the, the radio broadcast and the television and the podcasts and the reporters and Twitter and all the things that you can follow. But I got to believe in 1996 or even 2002, it's pretty hard to follow this team. How did you do it?
3: Yeah, it's uh, certainly made a lot easier now with the internet and podcasts and everything like that and the game being shown live uh, instead of a replay. But back in the day, it was a tiny little box score. You'd have to go to the last page in the sports pages of the paper back home. And you can follow, follow the results that way. And they were tucked away in the bottom left-hand corner of the last page and the very small print. And I'd check each morning before I went to school what the result was. How many Peter Bondra scored? You know, if the Caps had had a win, it was fantastic. But obviously, it was 24 hours old by then. So generally, the following day, you had another score to check. But thankfully, we've come a long way from that. The ease of cable TV, uh, you and Ken commentating and being able to to listen on Caps Radio makes it a lot easier. And obviously, the internet for uh, quick scores
2: being able to have a little bit more depth to the coverage. And by the way, thank you for listening from long distance on the Caps Radio Network here on Caps Radio 24-7. That's how we came to find each other anyway. But you also have come to the United States a lot to watch the Capitals. Tell me about some of your trips. How many trips, how many places, how many games have you seen this team play?
3: Uh, I wouldn't know the number, John, to be honest. I'd be guessing. But I'm a high school teacher back home. So my summer holidays and um, effectively the American winter is spent following the caps for as long as I possibly can before I have to go back home and, and start the new school year. But, yeah, I'm not sure how many games that we've seen over the last particularly eight, nine years. And then uh, COVID got in the way, sadly, but uh, thankfully, very grateful to be back watched the Caps beat the Preds and then went to Detroit for the New Year's Eve game and saw Ovi create history with power play goal and two wins was fantastic. And then against the Devils wasn't, wasn't brilliant, but I think we stole a point to be fair. So um, can't be too unhappy with the way we played and and the pinch of point.
2: 272 straight days, you told me, in lockdown in Melbourne and During that time, I mean, we had our own issues going on here, trying to get through the bubble and then getting through a season without fans. But for you, I know that you were listening a lot. I know you were enduring a lot back home, but you weren't able to come here either. So the Caps, from a distance and really not able to do a whole lot about it, it had to be a really tough experience. Tell me what that was like.
3: Yeah, look, everyone around the world has had their challenges and difficulties. Melbourne's been no different, so... Sorry for that information. and It wasn't 272 consecutive. We were in and out of lockdown, uh, but some of those lockdowns did last for three or four months. So you were very limited to what you could do. The highlight of the day was going down to a cafe to get a takeaway coffee because you couldn't dine in. Uh, and that was about it. There was no restaurants or pubs or bars open. So the highlight of the day was grab a coffee and then uh, generally puck drop was at 11 a.m. So i uh, tune in to you and Ken, and have a listen and follow the boys that way. Thankfully, there was hockey on, even though there were no spectators in the arenas. But uh, thank goodness for for hockey and sport during that time, because there there wasn't a wasn't a whole heap to look forward to, and particularly not being able to get over to the states and and watch the Caps play it really made me understand how much I miss it. I'll never take the the trip for granted again, to be honest. Sort of little things make you realise just how fortunate you are. But to have you and Ken calling hockey and. JB and Locker on, on the TV for those TV games was was fantastic. Credit to the league for the, the season to continue, albeit a modified schedule. At least we we could get some hockey fix. So I'd be further grateful for that. Got my fingers crossed and toes crossed, John, that there, there won't be any more lockouts with arenas in the United States. I know that Canada's got a few issues at the moment, but hopefully we can see a few more caps games before I head back to Australia.
2: For all of us and certainly for you and your trip. Let's hope that that's the case. I wouldn't be able to let you go here, Shane, without asking you about Nathan Walker, who kind of caught the imagination, I think, of everyone here. He didn't play a ton of games for this team, but you know when the prime minister is calling and congratulating him, I know it was a big deal back home, especially for those who follow hockey like yourself. What did it mean to you not only to see Nathan Walker make the NHL, but to do it in a Capitals uniform?
3: It was amazing, John. You know, Nathan was born in Wales, but he calls well, he called Australia home. Uh, obviously, he played a lot of hockey in Europe and then came over to the states and is now with the Blues. But for him to be a part of that. That cup run, particularly what he did to assist on that goal in the, the Pittsburgh series and obviously get past the demon as you, you coined it at the time and, and then go on and win the cup was amazing. So very proud that, you know, an Australian's played for the Caps, played as well as what he did and, and had an impact in such a big series and, and a big game with, with that uh, assist. So, you know, it's sad that he's not at the Caps anymore. Um, I've actually got a signed puck from Nathan it sits proudly at home. I wish him all the best at the Blues, and, and hopefully he can have uh, a long career in the NHL. All right, last
2: one for you, Nathan. Your top three favorite Capitals players of all time. I'm guessing number eight is involved in this mix, and Peter Bonder probably too. But give me three guys that just rank maybe a little bit higher than the rest in your eyes.
3: Oh, that's so tough, John. Three is really, really tough. All right, we can go to uh, five if you want. <laughs> yeah, look, that, that might help a little more. Look, Ovechkin and, and Peter Bondra, obviously in that group, just absolutely unbelievable players. Schmidty w- was a favourite. Miss Nate, wish he was back in a in a caps jersey. So Nate would be included. Another guy, Michael Pavonka, was always a, a favourite of mine back in the day, and probably a little bit of toughness, Craig Berube. There you go. That'd be my five. So I know that'll differ to a lot of other caps fans, but you know I, I have my reasons for those five. You are going to be in Minnesota this Saturday, right? I will be in Minnesota. That's correct. So unfortunately, couldn't make the St. Louis game, but flying out of DC on Friday. And then we'll watch the uh, wild game on Saturday and then return for the Caps game against the Bruins at home. And then off to New York Islanders to see their new arena. I saw their, well, the last game that I saw at Nassau, um, Ovi actually scored a hat-trick. We were 4-2 down at, at the start of the third. And that was a phenomenal experience. So looking forward to seeing UBS Arena. Hopefully it's a bit of an improvement on Nassau, but uh, hopefully it's the same result. That'd be amazing.
2: I am told that it is a definite improvement over the old Coliseum, Shane. So I'm sure that you will enjoy it. This has been a great conversation, Shane. Thank you so much for listening to the games from about as far away as I think anyone does in Melbourne, Australia. Shane, thanks for joining us here this morning.
3: Thanks, John, and thanks for your service to hockey, um, even stretching across the pond and and a few more oceans and uh, all the way to Melbourne. Really appreciate it, you and Ken, what you do. No one at Monday's game against Boston
2: will have traveled further to be at Capital One Arena than Shane Griffin, an incredibly dedicated Caps fan and an honor to have him in town with us this week. That's our show for today. Capitals continue practice this week until a date with St. Louis on Friday night, Hope you can join us tomorrow. Alan May will be here from NBC Sports Washington. We leave you today with a listen back to Alex Ovechkin breaking Dave Anderchuk's all-time power play record Friday night in Detroit. Have a great Tuesday, everyone.
3: Hi, this is Alex Ovechkin. You're listening to Caps Radio 24-7 and the Capitals Radio Network.
2: Washington to the power play here late in the third period, trying to break a long drought. So this should be a heck of a time to do it. Yevgeny Kuznetsov
1: to Backstrom. Backstrom doesn't try to sauce pass there. Ovechkin oh, just as the power play was
2: coming to its end. The NHL is saying it's a power play goal, Ken, so we have seen history here tonight. Alex Ovechkin getting his 275th power play goal, and he does indeed pass Dave Anderchuk for most all time in league history.
0: That 23rd goal OB, they are marking that as a power play goal that puts you at number one all time, passing Dave Anderchuk. You've been at the top of a lot of lists. What does this mean to you to achieve this?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's... uh... Great moment uh, for me, for the team, for the fans, for the game as well. And uh, now it's over, and we move
1: on. Yeah, I mean, when you're sitting there on the brink for a long time, I'm sure you're anxious just to get get it done. It's not like it wasn't going to happen; it was going to happen. But it's nice just to get it done and then move forward from there. But quite an accomplishment. The league's been around a long time with a lot of great players, and you know, to be a part of that history is something special.